real estate agents are constantly being told that they need a great website, and that's true. But for the most part, they've listened. Today, over half of realtors say they've had a website for over five years. But the truth is, that's only part of the story. Once you have a website, how do you convince consumers to visit and use it? That's the million dollar question. And Lisa Archer, thankfully, has an answer. For a lot of folks in the real estate industry, Lisa doesn't need an introduction. She's been a favorite speaker, a great panelist, and a tech geek on the conference circuit for years. But Lisa also has a killer real estate business that's generated over $100 million in sales volume over the past three years. In this interview, Lisa divulges some surprising secrets for building a website that drives visitors and explains why using social media as your only sales channel can be a hazardous thing for your business. Hello, I'm Chris Kraft. I'm the founder of Now Media. Hi, this is Jack Miller from T3 Experts. Hi, it's Lisa Archer with Love Love Homes. And I am welcoming you to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now, here are your hosts, Seth Price and Matt Barbet. Lisa, it's been way too long. Um, Hi, Seth. I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, I have had the pleasure of having you as a friend, but also watching you evolve as a business person for, I think it's been four years, almost five years. And I'm just, you know, so excited to share your story with folks in the audience. Thanks, Seth. I appreciate that. And I love the fact that you called me a business person. Yeah. You That's are. like high praise. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are. I worked I mean, really hard on that. <laughs> well, you know, we, we start as people just trying to figure out, Hey, a business. And then we slowly, you know, we slowly become entrepreneurs. And, and I think the mature level of that is a business person who really, you know, makes decisions. Maybe they're still gut driven, mm-hmm. but they are you know, they're P and L driven. They are, yeah. they're based I'm looking upon, at it on my desk right now. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a huge transition. And I, uh-huh. so one, I'd love for you to tell us about live, love homes. You know, what do you think sets you apart from your competitors? I would say Seth, that we are different from our competitors because of our knowledge and because we are willing to go that extra mile. And when someone talks, we listen first and ask questions and dig in and get to the real root of what someone's trying to do or what they're trying to accomplish or, you know, where they want to be and when, um, it's not about going from one transaction to another. And I think that's what people lose sight of in this business is that they're always so, 
um, they, they don't prospect enough and they're, they're becoming reactive instead of proactive. When you prospect and you're proactive and you've got a full pipeline, then you don't really worry about the one closing that's going haywire or the listing that didn't sell or, you, you know, you're not being reactive to every situation, yeah. which is why, you know, when, when agents get into the, get into this business and they're, you know, they're always asked th- that one crucial question, you know, what's the first thing I should do? You build a data bank. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Nothing else matters. And you think like a business person and you've got to understand your business is your data bank. Yeah. If you don't have one and you're not constantly loving on it, nurturing it, adding to it, um, and not just constantly taking p- things out of it, you know, it's not going to grow yeah. and it's not going to build. So, yeah, it's so interesting. The, you know, the hand to mouth mentality of, you know, every starting entrepreneur really challenges your decision-making process. Like it, it forces you to maybe take on business that you shouldn't take on, or maybe promise things that you shouldn't promise or do activities that are unhealthy, uh, for, (laughs) for your business, you know, Uh which is, which is wild. Um, so you are a mega agent and I'd say one of the most influential brokers in the business. Um, but I'd love to hear about your early days. Like, <laughs> what were your biggest challenges, you know, when you started out and some of the lessons that you learned when, when formulating your business? Well, so, so early, yeah, this is my 10th to 11th, like year 11. So yeah. like we, I've been in the business a full 10 years. This is year 11. And you know, when I got in, the, it was booming. You put a sign in the yard, it's the, the listing sold. You had a buyer ready to go look at property. Um, you could find something and, um, you know, easily and, you know, anybody could get a loan. And then, you know, when the crash came, I, I you know, you know, we, we, we downsized. It's not like we got rid of, you know, our admin. Um, and I, about a year after that, I had a baby I don't know who decides that that's a great idea, but you know, <laughs> he's not, he's now eight and he, he's amazing. His mom, you know, he's, he's the apple of my eye and, um, yeah, it wouldn't change anything. Cause I think we learned a lot, yeah. you know, we learned how to go through, um, a market shift and we're, we were stronger for, because of it. You yeah. know, we, we kept, we kept lead generating. We kept doing what we we're supposed to do. We kept nurturing our data bank. We kept, you know, adding people to it and touching them and, you know, just be, being the resource for people. Um, so I would say we definitely learned, you know, the lesson of how to survive through a shift. And, you know, as I, you can see one coming now, not, not that it's going to be bad, you know, anything bad. It's just, you've got, you've got to, things are changing. You, you can see that, um, houses are staying on the market a little bit longer in, in some areas. And, um, it's not as much competition on the buy side. I think the buyer's a little, um, tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there's some of that. And I, I would definitely say, you know, I, I had a mind shift change. Like I, I was a salesperson and yeah. I was a, um, I was a realtor. And that was, you know, in the in, in the salesperson sense, right? Like, you know, we'd go up and, you know, the, the the pipeline would go up and down because we we would be reactive to what was happening because of the, you know, crazy shift. Yeah. Um, and what I what we learned through that is that that's not how you operate a business. And when I had a mind shift that, that you know, I was going to operate Live Love, which wasn't Live Love at the time, it was before the name change. Um, as a business, things changed. We we hired admin, we hired agents, we you know we got into coaching, we um, all the things that you need to do as a successful person, successful business owner. That's what we did. We started watching the P and Ls. We um, 
had more relationship driven, um, conversations and worked with clients who are ready to do something now. Um, so those are some of the things that we learned Seth. It, and it was, it was hard. Um, well, I wouldn't change it because we, we lived through it and we learned a lot. And, you know, go, if, you know, if there's a shift coming now, which I think there is, and you can see it, like I said, in some cases, um, I mean, it's going to be a good thing for me to know those things and to share those things with our agents and double down on prospecting and double down on customer service and dealing with as quickly as possible the people that have raised their hands that want to buy, sell, invest, or get into real estate with you. When did you make the transition from, you know, focusing on GCI to actually looking at a P&L? And I bring, I bring that up very specifically because I think there's a lot of talk about, hey, you know, what what was the gross commission? And that's like, you know, top line sales, right? You know, it's like, there's so many expenses and then you get down to whatever your percentage of profit is. And that's really where you measure whether you're, you're winning or losing. Uh When was that? I hired a business coach. I hired a business coach about two years ago. Okay. And we started, one of the first things he wanted me to do was to create a GPS or a 135. I don't know what you call it. Um, basically a plan of where we're going um, and how we're going to get there. And, you know, I did it the first time and he gave it back. He said, all right, get a little more specific, you know, a little, le- you know, a little as far as actionable um, and pare it down, pare it down, pare it down. I think I did it four times. I finally got it down to, this will be shocking, leads listings and leverage. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, if you've read MREA, so the millionaire real estate book, that's all it talks about. Yeah. And that's the only three things that are important. Yeah. And when you pare it down to that and build off of that and you start looking at the P&Ls and playing red light and green light with your money um, and what you're paying somebody for versus what the actions and the, if they're hitting their benchmarks, you can't help but start running everything a little bit different because you've got someone that you're being held accountable to. Yeah. You know, anyone who hasn't read that book, uh, in this business should, uh, regardless of what brand you're working Absolutely. with or whether you're Absolutely. an independent, it is, it just has core business practices in it that are tried and true. I mean, they've worked for years and years long before that book was written, but right. they are, they're just, the basics of running your business. Well, and the funny thing about it, there's going to be an update. So it'll be, I think it's, I think they're calling it MREA 2.0 and that comes out maybe in the spring. Yep. That's what I heard. Yep. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about websites cause I've, you know, <laughs> assisted in and watched you evolve and you live love homes has a terrific website. And for those of you listening, you should check it out at livelovehomes.com. But I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about one, how you got there <laughs> and what are the ingredients of a great real estate website? Um, how we got there. So legitimately how we got there. I mean, the the down and dirty of where it happened. Um, Chris Smith and I were at a real estate conference, not Keller Williams, in New Orleans. And we were walking down um, the street talking about rebranding what was called Team Ludlow at the time, which is my maiden name. And it was, you know, most people call me Lisa Ludlow Archer, which, which, which was fine, but it's really long. And you, I couldn't have that on Twitter. So, like, honestly, it came down to, you know, I wanted Lisa Archer as my Twitter name. Um, and so we decided, okay, let's not brand team. Um, we'd never planned on expansion at that point. Um, we wanted to go local. We were going to go hyper local. That was that was huge five years ago when we met Seth. And uh, so we decided, um, all right, you know, what can we make 
a good name that would be something Charlotte, something Charlotte. And we came down, we got down to like two, I think it was Love Live Charlotte and Live Love Charlotte. And the only one available on GoDaddy on the app <laughs> was LiveLoveCharlotte.com. So we bought it. I bought it. And um, we call, I, I, didn't, I hadn't even met you yet. Chris said, I got somebody I want you to meet. Um, and it was you. And it was, I think it was you and Jimmy, Mac and Chris, myself, and uh, Frederick, who put together LiveLoveCharlotte.com almost five years ago. Yeah, that's crazy. I remember <laughs> that. It was, you know, what was great is for those of you listening. So Frederick Towns is the co-founder of Playster and Jimmy Mackin is the co-founder of Curator. So uh, and now funny. Jimmy and Chris are, you know, great partners, good friends. <laughs> um, but it's just, it was that time when we all had, you know, time to sit down and uh -huh. I hadn't met you yet. Uh -uh. Uh, and then we were just brainstorming ideas on how to, you know, how do you create a brand? Um, so it's a beautiful site and folks should check it out, but I'd love to hear from you. Like now that you've, you've had a lot of time to think about the web and use it and leverage it for your business. What are some of the ingredients of a great real estate website? Well, a great real estate website, you know, what does the public want to do? The one thing they really want to do is look at homes, Yeah. whether they're ready to buy now or know somebody that's ready to buy now, or just like to look at property if you give them a place that they can go and look at beautiful pictures and look at homes, um, they're going to remember you when they hear of somebody who needs to buy or sell. That's the, that's the funny thing about um, a lot of our clients. We get referred by to people or people refer to us all the time that we've never even done business with. And they, they are not even necessarily in our data bank. Yeah. And I, I, I have to think it's either because of our web presence or because they've been able to look at homes on our website and we didn't ask them for contact information yeah. and they got to look at a really beautiful site. And what I, do you remember the one thing I said to you, what I wanted it to look like? I was like, Seth, I just want it to look like Pinterest. Yes, I remember, <laughs> I remember that. And it's so funny full circle now. So, so I teach a class and it's called bringing the, um, boom, bringing online offline marketing. And the first thing we talk about is websites. And it's so awesome that I get to say, Placer built the, you know, our, our first site, Placer built, guys, are y'all's Placer sites up yet? Yeah. Every single time I say that and they're like, you know, when they say no, I'm like, you're crazy. Yeah. It's so, <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, you know, both, both of us speak a lot to audiences that are trying to figure out, you know, how to build their companies. And the thing that like the math just doesn't work. We all agree that consumers are a hundred percent digital now. Like that dust is settled. It's not oh God, like, Oh, they're no. going to get there. They are all digital. You and I were just talking about you know, the iPhone seven and our kids <laughs> having phones. Like my child doesn't know how to do a CD and a computer because he just has never done that. Like he's no. had streaming his entire life. And yet as a business person, we know so many people that don't have a presence that is engaging on the, on the web. And that's your 24 seven business card. Like that's your salesperson that doesn't sleep. Well, it, I love it when somebody tells, you know, that uh, when I ask a question, so who, who's not on Facebook, you know, five years ago, I would say who was, because yeah. it would be, you know, there would be people in there. Not in there. So now I say, who's not, and I'll get one or two people and they're reasoning every single time. I, I don't want my, I don't want all my information out there. I said, well, then you're in the wrong business. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you know, if you're willing to hand out a business card and plaster on the side of your card or car 
and put it here, there, and everywhere, but you're not willing to put it on Facebook where you control who gets to see it and who doesn't, and that's where your clients are, I yeah. will, you know. Yeah, that's crazy talk. Good so, luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a perfect seg- segue. I mean, we talk a lot about personal branding um, at Playster, and I, you know, I'm writing a book on it, that you seem to have a very strong sense of who you are and where you fit into the market. I mean, I've watched you on social so seemingly effortlessly engage with folks in the business, folks out of the business. You're not, you're not salesy. Like it, it seems to have come natural to you. Um, how did you get, how did you get to that? Well, so I watched a lot of people do it wrong. And the more you think about the fact that it's social media, you want to run as far away from selling media as possible. And what, you know, all those people in the early days or, you know, and that's funny that I call it the early days now, but you know, in, in the past several years that I've blocked, I get, I tell, I tell the people when, I, when I'm teaching, if you get blocked, you're never getting unblocked. <laughs> you might, you might as well delete those people cause they're never going to see you again. Yeah. I mean, I was like, everybody raise your hand. Have you ever blocked anybody or blocked an app? I said, you know, how many has ever blocked somebody or blocked an app or a game? And they're all like, oh my God, yeah, my, my so-and-so and that agent who posts listing after listing. I said, yeah, don't be that person. Cause have you ever gone back and unblocked anybody? Nope. Never get so, around to it. Yeah. No. Cause who remembers to do that? We got, we got real life to live and you're not going back and unblocking people that you blocked purposely. Um, so that's just, that was always, uh, um, something that I've thought about. How do you not get blocked? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And how do you stay relevant and how can you actually help people? That's another key point of, uh, um, point of this business. What can I do that literally can contribute to others? Because I've been, been given so much opportunity in this business. How can I now give back and help somebody else achieve that? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's part of every day that, you know, I, you know, who can you help today? So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see agents and brokers doing with their brands? Um, well, so put pushing and being salesy, you know, listing, 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 you, you, you know, there's ways to post your listings on social that don't make people want to go run and block you. So give me an example. Um, so you've got an incredible kitchen picture of an incredible kitchen. Why could you not ask what's the first meal you would cook in this kitchen? Or if you've got a great backyard, um, who would you invite over to your first backyard barbecue at this new, at this house? You know, there's so many things you can do that, you know, would start a conversation yeah, and create genuine interest rather than alienating people who are like, Oh my God, she's such a salesperson. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, and you've probably got this too. Um, I have 5,000 friends. I hit the limit again last night when I was trying to friend somebody. Um, and I don't know how many followers on Facebook, but every single one of those people knows that I sell real estate. And I don't think anybody hates to know that I sell real estate. Yeah. It's not front and center. You, you are, you are you first and then you happen to sell real estate. And if mm-hmm. we want to talk about it, you know, if I'm ever coming to Charlotte, I'm going to call you. Of course. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit sure. and I want to talk about content. Uh, because you're an avid blogger and you've written for Inman and a bunch of other publications and you still make time to blog on your site. Like how do you stay motivated to continue cranking out such great content? Well, so what, what, what we've done on the past 
I would say in the past year or so, um, we've created a really big, um, campaign for back lack of a better term around open houses yeah. and cause everybody had gotten away from them. And we've gone back to some like traditional marketing open houses where they were, you know, we're down to getting like 1% of buyers. We're, we're, we're picking up, um, clients left and right because hardly anybody else is doing them and yeah. we're doing them right. We're advertising and we're writing about what's unique about the, about the home and how close it is to, you know, this shopping center or whatever. Um, so we're doing a big push around um, open houses and easily being able to come by and check out a house, non, no pressure. If it's not the right one, we can set you up a search for what you are looking for. Um, meeting the neighbors, because everyone, it's funny. If you've got a sign that goes up in a neighborhood you didn't know was coming, and you go by and you knock on their doors and you tell them, hey, we're doing an open house this weekend. Do you want to pick your neighbor? It's ironic how many of them are like, oh my God, my best friend wants to move into this neighborhood or um, I want my parents to move down here. Can, can I come take a look? And you're like, absolutely. I love it. I love the way you frame that too, which is not like just an open invite, but it's like, Hey, do you want to pick your neighbor? Of course I want to pick my neighbor. Of course you do. Especially if, so it's, it's funny. We have, we have um, a listing um, and when we put the sign up and we did the door knocking and I knew that my clients moving out of the neighborhood would be a positive thing for some of the neighbors. <laughs> Just going to be kind of blunt about it. Um, so no lie, Seth, I had my yard because my, my clients moved out. Right. Yeah. And had the yard guy scheduled to go over two weekends in a row for open houses. And because we door knocked two days prior, and did the, do you want to pick your next neighbor? I swear to you. When my um, yard guy got there both times, the neighbors had already done the yard. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's fantastic. <laughs> they wanted an upgrade. Uh huh. That is fantastic. Um, so I love the, the new and old media. I think so many people, like I'm a digital first person but print works and open houses work and events work like all of those things work because it's just about touching people consistently in your sphere and then expand, expanding your sphere and nurturing folks. That's it. It doesn't change ever. You just get different tools. Absolutely. Um, so you are building an empire now. You have several offices in multiple states. Yep. Um, what's the secret to managing that kind of growth while maintaining your brand and, and maintaining quality? Have, well, having a system and having, um, you know, we've got a really good training program at Keller. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about the other brands. So I'm just, that's just what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, and, and personally, because I'm a coach, we, we do a lot of coaching. We do a lot of mentoring. We do a lot of role play. We do, you know, there's a lot of classes they can go to and we just, we hire well. Yeah. Um, we're, we're not skipping on the hiring process. So we're talking, talking and getting references and past life experience and finding out who, who these people are and who, you know, what, what are their goals in life and how can we help them reach them? And are we a better, are we a catalyst for helping them get there faster? Because, you know, some people may not be a fit. And our, our mission and vision may not be aligned with what theirs is. So we want to be really careful that we're bringing in agents who, you know, not only fit our model, but we fit into theirs. Yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. I mean, I think 
recruitment and hiring is such an under under focused area because you know hey we we have a need we need to fill a seat it's the absolute worst reason to hire oh it's the worst because if you rush <laughs> it, it never works out <laughs> if you rush that hire you're just it's like it's like rushing a marriage right if you rush and you marry the wrong person mm-hmm the ramifications of that go on for years and years. And well, it's the same with hiring someone that's not absolutely. the right fit. Well, I was talking to my coach this morning. He said, he said, you realize that when you get into business with somebody, that's your work wife. Yeah. Every single per, you know, and whether it's my work wife or my work husband or whatever, um, I have a lot, you know, I have a lot of them. Yeah. Luckily, I only have a few that report to me and everyone else reports to them and vice versa. Yeah. Um, the people that I, that report to me, I got to want to see them all the time. And I got to want to talk to them all the time. And I got to want to be in a relationship with them. Just like I, you know, 15 plus years now with my husband. It's it's work. Yeah, Because we're people. Yeah, it's so <laughs> And they're <true>. people. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, a dear friend of mine just sold his business, um, a, a tech company. So unrelated to real estate. And he was talking about the relationship that he formed with his partnership. And it wasn't. It wasn't what he wanted, which is why they sold the business early. So they got out decently, but he was saying that he didn't realize when he chose to be partners that it was like getting married because he spent as much time with his partner as he did with his wife. hundred percent. Yep. And you know, I think that's something that we forget about, or maybe we just don't think about and we hire someone and we're like, Oh yeah, if it doesn't work out, it's like, no, you've got to spend eight, 10, 12 hours a day with this person in perpetuity until they leave. That's right. Choose that person wisely. Um, you are a certified military residential specialist and you're involved with a number of veterans organizations. Yes. How, how, How did you get into that? Well, so my husband is a veteran. Okay. And what you know, when you Where sleep with when you sleep with one and um, <laughs> it becomes a part of who you are, right? Yeah. yeah. Um that's the second Where time I've said that to you today. Where did he serve? <laughs> he was uh, he was a United States Navy um, and his last uh, duty station was in Virginia Beach. That's awesome. Yeah, so I met him on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi when he was down there commissioning a um, destroyer ship and actually picked him up at a bar. Nice. Mm-hmm. I bet that's a great story. You'll have it to tell a, me It is offline. a good story. We'll talk about that later. Yep. Um, so yeah, and my grandfather uh, passed away about a year ago, and he he was retired, um, Air Force. Yeah. Well, it, the the service was amazing. Like yeah. I had never been to other than one other in my life um, um, a full honor or you know full regalia. Yeah. So it was nice, yeah. and um, just a lot of family. My brother in law. So it, it's important to us, um, and it's important to me. So um, we I can did, hear it in your voice. It's great. Yeah, and, so we've developed know. Live Love Heroes and Live Love Veterans. A couple of um, of our passions around uh, giving back to those who serve. That's great. Yeah. How, how how important? I mean, it seems like it's important to me for realtors to be active in their communities like this. How when you talk to others and you are coaching them. Is this one of the things that you say, hey, like figure out what you're passionate about and go serve? 100%. Um, because pe- you're going to find, those are the people you want to work with anyway. Yeah. When you're serving and you're serving along the, you know, whether it's your church or um, your, you know, the military or teachers or 
police or um, heart disease or whatever it is that is you're passionate about children, just make sure that you're um, when you're giving back and you're giving back with people that are like minded, you're going to see you're, you know, you're going to want to work with those people and they're going to want to work with you because they see you giving back. So be a culture, um, you know, not just of productivity, but of coming from contribution. Yeah. Where do you look for inspiration? Oh, wow. Um, a lot of places. Um, my mentors, my coaches, uh, my circle, you know, I've got, I've got a really nice circle of friends and mentors. Um, our pastor, Gary Keller, you said a lot of different places. Uh, my kids, my husband, my dad, my parents, just a lot of places. That's awesome. Lisa, where is the best place for folks to find out more about you and live, love homes? Where should they go? I would say my, um, um, coaching page on Facebook. And how do they find that? Um, search Lisa Archer and you're either going to get a picture of me and, or a picture of me, but the coaching page is the one that says like training, coaching, mom, mompreneur. We will put a link in the show notes. Lisa, I love talking with you. I love seeing you. It's been a pleasure to watch your evolution as a businesswoman and just as a person in our community. Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing. I get to see you soon too. You certainly do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Bye, Seth. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes store. For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com slash podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or want to suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The Marketing Genius Podcast is brought to you by Playster, the digital marketing platform for real estate professionals, brands, and organizations of all kinds. With beautiful websites, lead management tools, marketing automation, and an academy featuring the latest tools and tips, Playster offers real estate professionals everything they need to succeed online. Learn more at Playster.com.